one thing I would get guys to focus on is to get better accuracy GNSS signals. So the best chance you can give that receiver to give you the best accuracy possible, that is one of the biggest upgrades that guys overlook. Once you get that better performance, you can start seating between the rows. For example, you can share lines a lot easier between machinery because they're on the same path. They're not getting signal drift. Your sectional control, you can fine tune it even more because you're confident that your signal's not gonna drift and you're gonna have misses in your field. It just goes on and on and on from there. And you're gonna get more and more efficient using a higher accuracy signal and the price of it pays for itself in so many different ways. Hey now, it's Dan Aberhart here, today's host of the Growing the Future podcast, where we talk to folks who like to innovate, collaborate and transform the agricultural industry welcome to season five episode three get notified about our new episodes by signing up for our newsletter growing the future podcast.ca you can listen to all of our past episodes there you can also follow us on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok for additional content and watch the video of this conversation on youtube Find the Aberhart family of companies online starting with aberhartfarms.com where we grow food to feed the world in Langenberg. Saskatchewan, close to the hometown of my guest. SureGrowth.ca, where we offer precision agronomy consulting services. ConvergenceGrowth.com, where we accelerate solutions across food, health, and agriculture. And of course, AberhartEggSolutions.ca, where we deliver one-of-a-kind fertility solutions of the future to your farm. Find the links to everything I just mentioned in the episode notes. My next guest was born and raised on a family-owned grain and cattle farm. Five miles, five miles north of Shoal Lake, Manitoba. He has over nine years of experience working as a precision farming specialist. He has recently ventured out on his own and started My Precision Ag Limited to help producers maximize their iron. If you talk to some of his clients, they will tell you he is a precision farming systems guru. This man is all about service. Today, we're going to talk about his origins on the family farm and working in the agricultural industry and why he decided to start his own business and what that's like working for producers, helping them with technology. What are the pain points around this technology that this individual is helping producers with? And maybe a little bit about where his business is going in the future. Welcome to the show, Matt Yannick. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's a great opportunity to be on the show, and I look forward to having a great discussion today. Absolutely, Matt. Well, thanks for coming on. The reason that I wanted to talk to you, Matt, is I think every farmer is familiar with that sinking feeling on day three when you're sitting in your yard or at the edge of the field trying to get things work working on their monitors or different technology to talk if they have a rainbow farm, as you called it. But let's just start with your background, growing up on the farm, getting into the business as a, I guess it was as an agricultural mechanic. Tell us a little bit about your background that got you here today. So yeah, I grew up on the family farm north of Shoal Lake. And when I was a kid, we still did grain. It's now rented out. It's been for quite a few years now. We have cattle and some other livestock on the farm. It's been great growing up in that area and in that regard just being out on there being free on the farm and seeing everything around develop and just having freedom of being out there so from the farming standpoint when i graduated high school i never actually had any plans to go into the agriculture industry 
I actually went to Brandon University on a business admin degree with a couple of different scholarships. And after the first year and a half, I decided that what I, my, my end plan was to become a chartered accountant. And <laughs> really? after about a year and a half, <laughs> I was like, do I really want to spend my life sitting in an office wearing a suit, looking at numbers all day when what I really enjoy is being out on the road and working physically on stuff and just being outside of four walls. So I left university, had good grades, like everything was A, A plus. I left and I wanted to change what I was going to do. So I went and helped out on the family farm for the winter that winter. And then after that, I got a job at the local CNH dealer in Shoal Lake at the time in parts. So that's where I started. And after the first two weeks in parts, I got the opportunity to transfer to Mooseman to become their GPS specialist. So I took that opportunity and ran with it. And that was in March of 2012. And it was right before seating. I had to learn everything on the fly <laughs> as a 19 year old kid. Yeah. And I learned it very quickly and it took off from there. And I became their product specialist, became, was still doing the GPS side of it. By the time I was done there, I was covering three different branches. And from there, I moved on in 2021 after being there for about nine and a half years. And now I'm entering my 12th year doing precision ag. And I'm glad I made that decision back in 2011 to change what I was doing because <laughs> I love what I do. It's great dealing with farmers every day and seeing something different every day. It's, I wouldn't change it for the world. Good for you, man. That's interesting. So hopefully with your accounting experience, you can do your own books and count your pennies there. Yeah, yourself. I do all that. I do all that. Good for you, man. Good for you. That's good as a business owner to understand the financial side. So you have a leg up there, but take me back. It's kind of interesting to me that you were a bit of a scholar there. It says in your bio that you graduated with honors from high school and you were a valedictorian and whatnot, and that you had high marks in your classes. Has any of that education transferred over to your abilities to help farmers with your business? Yeah, for sure it has. Like, especially I had a great understanding in math and all, all basically anything with numbers. So when you're out there explaining to guys their savings or doing calculations to better fine tune something or all that, you're always using some kind of equation, which to me comes naturally. It just, I can do it in my head. It's just easy. And the other part of it being the memory side of it, having a good memory to be able to remember all these different types of displays and systems, the more you can remember it and the quicker you can tell someone how to fix it, the happier they're <laughs> going to be. And I've always been someone who's had a good memory for that kind of thing. I can pick up a book, read it. And if I had to go write a test on that book the next day, I'd ace it because I could remember it. Damn. And that's always been a strong suit that I've had is being able to do that. Nice. Which helps in this industry big time. Absolutely. Well, I'm really interested in your experience at the dealership, having worked with dealerships much, much in the same capacity, although you sound like you're a lot more capable than I was. What was your experience when you were 19 years old and you were thrown into the 
into the battleground of spring seeding and you're helping farmers with monitors and what did you experience and what were some of the biggest pain points that you were helping with producers at the time? So growing up on the farm, we never had any GPS systems or anything. We weren't a very big farm. Even now we don't have any of that kind of stuff on the farm. So I was extremely new to it and it took a lot longer at the start to do certain things by the time even after the first year, I had lots of the stuff down pat and could do it a lot quicker. So, and lots of the stuff I really hadn't seen before or had any experience with it at all. So it was basically figuring out as I go and the customers, because they could see that I was willing to be out there day and night, try and help them. They were a lot easier to work with me and they weren't frustrated when I didn't know something right away. They knew I was trying. They knew I cared about their operation. They knew that I was going to be there for the long run and going to stay there for a while and get better and better at it. They could see my potential, which really helped out. And I've always had that work ethic where I want to do as much as I can. If it takes 20 hours to do it, I'll stay there for 20 hours to do it as long as it gets done and the customer's happy by the end of the day. Nice. So you've probably seen a lot of progress just in your career as a precision agricultural specialist at the dealership level. You started it when you were 19, 2012. That puts us over 10 years now. How has things progressed in the business from your vantage point in precision agriculture in those last over a decade? So back when I started in this industry, Auto steer was still one of the bigger technology improvements that guys were making. That was like back then more machines were just becoming guidance ready and you could add more and more guidance systems to different vehicles and yield monitoring was becoming bigger. So the data push was becoming bigger there. And now auto steer is pretty much in everything and as a standard and it's just expected to be there now. It's not an option. It's, pretty much just always there no matter what you're buying. And the push now has moved over to the mapping side with variable rate, with sectional control, with autonomy. The data side is being pushed a lot harder now. And GPS and auto steer is always going to be the base of all of that because you need that GPS receiver on the machine to be able to do any of those functions. And that's always going to be the heart and soul of it, but it's moved on big time from just throwing an easy steer onto a wheel and driving a straight AB line down the field. So guys are saving money back then, just having the overlap of pass to pass and that move from guys upgrading to signals like RTK and moving in to be able to do water management with that sub inch accuracy, doing seating between the rows with that accuracy and it's going to grow more and more into the future. Yeah, so once once farmers able to work with technology on a certain level, maybe they're using RTK for guidance, then you're saying you can start adding more functionality to that, like water management and and more advanced seeding tools for, just for agronomy and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and even guys like still, like say if they're going to a water management system where they're getting automatic drainage control of their implement, there's guys that they still compare it to going from basically hand bombing it with their <laughs> tractor to getting auto steer. It's the same thing. It's just a different 
way of looking at it, but you're basically just automating another function. And I, t- I tell guys all the time, there's less and less guys every year that just have an on off switch to control while, like they're in hydrous, they're air seeder. There's less of those guys every year and more and more guys are going to a full auto rate system, a full variable rate system, a full sectional control system. There's more and more technology every year. And to me, there should be more and more people in the industry to support it because 10 years ago, it wasn't as hard to support because you weren't supporting as many displays and systems that are out there now, because some of these companies over the last 10 plus years have come out with so many different new monitors. You still have to support the old ones because there's still enough of them out there. So you're always looking to go to add something else to your brain that you got to remember and it just stacks and stacks and stacks. It gets more complex every year, which is good. Aren't a lot of the systems the same though, Matt? Don't they all kind of do this same thing with the same kind of similarities? Or are they all very different? Most of them out there are doing the same functions. It's just the layout of the screen or certain functions are a little different here and there, but they're all generally trying to accomplish the same goals. They're all trying to steer you in a straight line. They're trying to minimize overlap. They're trying to let you put fertilizer and seed where you want it. And they're trying to map yields. It's it's all the same goals in the end. It's just how each different company wants to do it. So you're working for this dealership. You're you're sharpening the saw when it comes to your abilities with Precision Ag. And you're, you're obviously become quite accomplished at this. At what point did you realize, hey, there might be a business in this for me? I had thought about it for a number of years and going to business school too. Like I took courses on management and everything like that. And I did think back in the day, like it would be interesting to own my own company one day. So that was always a goal that was in the back of my mind. And in 2021, I just decided it was time to move on from what I was doing and took a break for a while and decided to start my own company. And when I initially started, I was just going to do consulting and that was it. And that kind of grew into more and more different things that we end up doing with the company now. Like I, I didn't plan on selling anything. I was just going to help guys with the service side of it. And that expanded into selling a lot of different products, which (laughs) I'm happy with anyways. Yeah. Yeah. You enjoy servicing what you sell, I guess. And that's a great way to sell in the agricultural industry. So what does your company look like today? I know there's things that you can't share with us because they're top secret projects that you got on the go and kudos for that. But, but what does your business look like today? So right now it's a remote business. Basically throughout the winter months, it's all selling and getting ready for the upcoming growing season. We do a few on-farm learning sessions throughout the winter and then do ag shows and all that throughout the winter as well. And then once spring season hits, it's going out to farms, helping guys get ready for spring, whether it's doing installs of sectional control kits, auto steer kits, liquid kits, blockage kits, all that kind of stuff. And then getting guys in the field with their sprayers and tractors and seeders for spring, helping them fine tune them to where they're going to get the best, um, the best out of their machinery. So we help them set suction control time and we help them if they, if they're guys that do VR, help them load VR maps. If they want that, if they just want refreshers on different monitors, all that kind of stuff, we do software updates, all that kind of stuff. And that moves into summer, which is basically all just sprayer work, 
just babysitting sprayers, helping guys if they <laughs> have electronic issues, technology issues, we're out there fixing them. And then once it moves into fall, same thing. We're doing yield monitoring setup. We're doing auto steer setup. We're doing one of the big things we do in the fall is combine setup completely. So we're doing harvest loss tests. tests. So we're trying to get guys to be able to maximize the use efficiency of their combines, but also not throw out as much grain. There's always that fine point between how fast can you go and how much you're going to throw it. And you're kind of trying to find that happy medium. Some guys, they want it to be just minimal losses and that's it. And some guys they're okay with throwing out a little bit if they can get more and more ground speed out of their unit. And then in the fall that moves into water management season, fertilizer application season, fall seeding, and then it repeats itself. But <laughs> right now there's two of us that do this, myself and Jeff Brown and Carlisle. I recently brought him on board and we're looking for a third member here right now and possibly a fourth after June. And it's just going to keep growing from here on out. I've had lots of guys ask me to expand it to different parts of Canada just to cover a bigger spectrum. But right now, because of the customer focus that I want, I want it to the area that we're in, the general area. I want the service around this area to be the best first and focus on this area. And then eventually, if it works out, move to other parts of Western Canada. That is awesome, man. It sounds like a scalable model. You just got to find the people is always the challenge and then work with those people. Do you guys have overlap or integration with any dealerships coming from the dealership world and maybe needing to augment to what they do? Or is, is it a purely competitive stance that they take with your services? So we have a couple of dealers that we work directly with and any machinery they sell, if it needs technology support or technology integration, we're the ones who take care of that. And we work with other dealers as well. We get dealers that phone us all the time looking for either help or they want to work with us or stuff like that. I'm not opposed to working with dealers. I'm not trying to be their enemy. I'm here just as another service. Like even if say a John dealer, John Deere dealer had a piece of red machinery on their lot and they wanted to sell it to a guy and they didn't have anyone at that dealership that knew how to operate that or set it up properly. They can phone me. I'll go out there and help them set it up and they know the customer's taken care of. They're not yep. worrying about trying to figure it out themselves. Well, I'm kind of wondering from a dealership's point of view, hey, there's this nice guy, Matt Yannick, and he runs this company and he's getting like-minded people to work with him and they know precision agriculture and they can make our stuff work and we don't have to hire employees. Why wouldn't they want to contract you and, 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 and sort of align with you and use what you're good at and they do what they're good at? The biggest issue with that, depending on the brand, lots of the stuff is becoming so proprietary with software and everything. Mm -hmm. It's all locked out. And basically, if you're, say, you're a John Deere dealer, only John Deere is going to have access to that software. That's the one downside of being able to do it for all dealers. It's certain brands are a lot easier because they're basically giving an open option for the technology side. And you're not forced to use one brand or the other. Yep. So 
lots of the dealers that we work with, that's what they do is they're more open-ended. They can put different brands in the units that they're selling and they just want the customers to be taken care of and the customer can choose what they want to be in there. That can't be good for the industry that, that that's a bit of a closed system. Can you get certified for these manufacturers so that you can help these folks? As far as I know right now, I don't believe you can get fully certified through it's basically locked down to you have to be a dealer for it to get full access to everything. Mm -hmm. I know what the right to repair stuff going on in the U S right now, that might change here in the future. And it might be a completely different situation of how things are done. Mm -hmm. The dealer model might change if that all goes through, mm -hmm. which I wouldn't mind if that happened. <laughs> It'd be a lot easier for me. Yeah, sure. Well, you just want to help folks and grow your business. I, I recall often that when my 13 years, 10 years as a salesperson selling John Deere Spurs in Western Manitoba, there was a lot of circumstances where mechanics, often top mechanics that were very capable, went rogue and they started working out of their own shops and servicing all the clients out of, out of there. And it was a little bit of a, a thorn in the dealership side. And yet I can't help but see the opportunity for collaboration with somebody like yourself. The problem is that you don't wear John Deere underwear, do you? Or do you? Are you going to say this on the internet line? No, 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 my underwear are green. <laughs> That's and the that problem. Would be an issue with, that would be an issue with John Deere, yes. You have to bleed green to basically work there and work with them. You have to bleed green to work there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a bit of a cult. I was, I'm part of the cult. My family's kind of part of the cult. Although we bought Lexians. You should be proud yeah, of I us. knew that. You knew that? I knew that. Well, Terry probably was that. calling you at some point, I'm sure. No? Oh, uh, when, when anyone trades out of green, it's always a big story. <laughs> it's always, it always makes the news, basically. Well, and frankly, folks like you make it easier to cross platforms because, hey, if I'm working with Matthew Yannick, test me. Test me. I'll go buy something else and he'll show me how to run it. I mean, trust me, I've been uh, many kitchen tables with many deals over the years. <laughs> it's all sort of... Uh, a dance between a producer and the dealership and, and guys love their iron. I think that's why they'll be really interested oh, yeah. in this conversation. I mean, people are so close to their iron, right? Oh yeah. There's, there's another gap too. Like if guys are buying stuff privately or buying it from say an auction sale to get support on it, there was no one really that would, there were some dealers I know that would just say, you didn't buy it here. We're not going to help you. Mm -hmm. So that was another Avenue. I'm like, people that are buying this stuff solely from auction sales or they're buying the odd piece here and there from an auction sale, they need help with them getting them set up like any other machine. And guys are more than willing to pay for that support. If they know it's going to be working and they know how to run it and everything's hundred percent operational and they have someone that they can call to help with that. It makes them more comfortable to buy it via auction as well. Absolutely. Because that's a big hang up for lots of guys is they know if they think they're going to be left out to dry, if they don't buy it from their machinery dealer, then it pushes them away to buying it from an auction or buying it privately. Not every dealer is like that, but I know there's some are. Well, ideally you would see it as an opportunity as a salesperson or a support person at the dealership to help that person. But of course, there's, o there's only so much time in the day and resources to go around and, and that can be a black hole kind of a a vortex of trying to help somebody with something that they didn't buy, but there's, there's always the next deal. I can't help but wonder though, if there isn't a gap as well, Matt, for folks in the geography that are maybe smaller farmers, 
And they're not the big guys that are buying relatively new or next to new have all the time and on the dealer's radar where they're pulling in there all the time. And I mean, there's folks that probably haven't seen a dealership pull into their yard almost ever. And how do they get support where they're buying that older equipment without someone like you? Yeah, we honestly deal with lots of small to medium sized farms. We're not dealing with as many of the big corporate farms as the machinery dealers are that are doing yearly flips on full farm machinery because pretty much everything that they're buying, it's going to be all the same integrated through the dealership using whatever technology. And I'm fine with that. There's that's their customers. I'm not there to go. Like I still go out and help farms like that with combine setting and stuff like that, but I'm not there doing all their data work, all that kind of stuff where it's all integrated from the dealership already. Mm -hmm. So there is a niche market for the smaller guys too. And when you said older machinery, one of the bigger things we focus on too, as well as upgrading older machinery to new technology. So some of these guys that can't go and buy a brand new air seeder, but they want to do VR or they want to do sectional control. There's options out there to be able to upgrade older stuff, to have that functionality. And we've taken it upon ourselves to upgrade a lot of that stuff. There's quite a few kits that we have to do this spring for air carts, liquid kits, and in hydrus just to get sectional and VR capabilities on those units. And guys are happy to spend that amount of money to upgrade what they have without having to buy a new piece of iron as well. Because we all know iron's getting more and more expensive every year, especially now. And not everyone can afford that million dollar drill. Right. Or million dollar tractor, million dollar combine. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you sold me. You're a nice guy. It sounds like you know what you're doing. You've got a talent to take care of my my problem, Matt. I, I'm I'm on I'm a producer on the phone with you. And I'm wondering, like, how do you charge? How do we work together? What's what's my financial commitment to get this done? So there's a few different options that we offer. The biggest one that we offer is doing farm support plans. So whether it's a phone support, phone and remote support plan for the year, because there's so many more monitors and displays now that are capable of remote support functions, or even just using FaceTime or anything like that to be able to view what the customer is seeing. We charge a one flat rate, basically unlimited phone support for the entire year. And that includes weekends, evenings, basically (laughs) whenever you want to call, if you need help, you can call us. Nice. We are not in the industry of eight to five and we never will be. We also have full farm support plans where if guys want to integrate preseason visits or in-season visits to come out and look at machinery, look at different functions, whether they want to fine tune some settings, whether they want their hired hands to be able to learn the monitor better, spend some time in the cab with them, whether they want to learn how to do a certain function, whether they want stuff recalibrated or they feel like something's not working properly and we can go out there and work on it and get it working better. We integrate all that into one plan for the year, depending on the number of visits and the number of machines, the price varies. I don't list an actual price for that because every farm is so different and their needs are different. Yeah. Makes Some sense. guys just want one trip in the spring and then phone support for the rest of the year and they're good. And that's one price. Whereas the next guy wants basically every service call covered, every everything throughout the entire year. And then I work with them to create a price on that. And usually 
if it's a first year customer and they want full service calls, full everything, it's going to be, you're going to pay per hour to figure out roughly how much service you need per year. And then we're going to work out a plan at the start of the year Mm -hmm. to that's going to fit your farm. And then there are also guys that will just pay per hour for everything, which I'm okay with that as well. That's you, you pay as you need it, but there are guys that buy it ahead of time, basically as like an insurance policy, especially the phone support side. There's some guys that will buy the phone support and call only three or four times a year, Mm -hmm. but that three or four times a year, if you can get them going within 30 seconds (laughs) or say five minutes, even, it's a lot cheaper for them than having the downtime or having to call someone out, travel out there, pay however much they're going to be charged per hour plus travel. The phone support plan is more than paid for itself. If that's the case, that is invaluable, my friend. And there's guys that they'll buy it and they'll phone me twice a year, say, and that one call might be at one in the morning and they're stuck and they cannot seed or cannot spray and they need to go one call like that. And it's, they feel they get more than enough value for what it's worth. That's what I was going to ask. Like you say, obviously your your prices vary, and I don't know if you want to share any of that on the podcast. But farmers can contact you directly if they if they like what we're hearing. And I frankly, I think this will be a big area of growth in the business in the future due to all the reasons that we're talking about on the show today. But how do you quantify the ROI or how do producers, I mean, of course, we can have instances like that, but if you're optimizing combines for losses or setting up seeders for accuracy, which impacts yields or calibrating sprayers, which, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of chemicals go through, this must be big business in a way for farmers in terms of ROI. Oh yeah. Like there's, especially on like the combine loss side, that's where you can really see it physically a lot quicker. I go to a lot, like last fall for alone, alone, I went to almost 275 combines. <laughs> so I've wow. seen, I, yeah, that was just what I did. So when did you sleep, man? I, I put in, I put in way too many hours in a day. <laughs> Sucker for punishment. And I did. I do a lot of stuff in the dark if I have to, but Good for you. I get to it. Good for you. And I see a lot of different crops. I see a lot of different conditions. I see a lot of different basically different losses, what guys are doing. And some guys you go out there and it's just peace of mind. Like they think they have their combine set good. You check them and they are set good. Some of those guys, they want to see how far they can push that combine before it starts throwing grain or before everything starts getting where it's unacceptable. So they learn that limit. And the next guy you go to, they're throwing out five to 10 bushels of grain per acre and say it's canola, for example, 20 bucks an acre. If you can get that down to under a bushel within half an hour and they're doing that for the rest of harvest, they're saving that four bucks or four bushels an acre, so 80 bucks an acre right there. The service call that it costs is more than paid for within a couple of acres. So it's extreme ROI. (laughs) <laughs> extreme ROI. I like that. Well, what are dealerships? Not to vilify dealerships. Look, I, 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 they were my, my living for, for over a decade and they do great work getting machinery to the market. But what does it cost to get a, an equipment dealer out with a technician with a truck to service you if you're an hour or two hours from home, like the headquarters? So... Dealers roughly now are charging 150 to 200 an hour for road service plus travel. Mm-hmm. 
and like our ourselves personally we charge 125 plus travel yep which i feel is more than fair for precision ag and i've never had someone complain and say it's too much and that includes installs that includes any consulting services that includes service calls for troubleshooting it's all 125 dollars an hour and guys if they buy farm support plans at the start of the year they also get a discounted rate off of that as well so if they're buying a farm support plan for a preseason call for spring and fall say if they have any issues throughout the summer throughout seeding if they need help in season they get a discounted service rate on top of buying that plan as well so there's a bigger benefit of having that plan ahead of time and the guys that have those plans also get priority service because dealers machinery dealers they're prioritizing the bigger farms the guys that are buying lots of machinery which they should but for me i'm not selling the guy the tractor or the combine or the sprayer so if they want to become priority they either have to buy their technology through us or they have to pre-buy support and that puts them further to the top of the list yeah in your opinion i'm just interested because you see such a broad cross section of farmers and you work so closely with them in your opinion, what is the biggest single thing that farmers can really do to improve logistics? To improve logistics, it depends on the operation. But if you can have stuff pre-planned ahead of time, whether it's guidance lines, whether it's mapping like boundaries, anything like that, that saves a lot of time. Whether you can have, say, two sprayers working together and using one truck to fill them whether you can have two air seeders working together in the same field, talking to each other and seeding the same field quickly. Basically one guy do the first headline, the next guy pull in, do it beside it. The maps are shared, the section control works together. Stuff like that I find is extremely valuable. And also having high accuracy for your auto steer where you're maximizing the width of your implements and being able to do it in as few number of passes as possible. And then just having the support side, minimizing downtime, because downtime is huge and it costs producers a lot of money. It might not show it, but if you, if you were down for a few hours a day, every day in season, it might show on your yield eventually. If you start getting behind, say, seeding and you're seeding late, you're going to start seeing that eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wonder as you're talking, if there's an opportunity at some point for you to come in and evaluate a producer's setup, their logistics, their plan and help them with a logistics plan. And maybe it doesn't involve spending a lot more money or buying a lot more stuff, but it's just optimal. Like when you talk about optimizing things and I always dreamed of the technology where you'd go into the field with a sprayer and it would know the boundary and what sloughs there were. Of course, you're from Show Lake, so you know what yep. I'm talking about. We're farming, yeah, we we're, got lots of sloughs. We're farming the hilltops, right, and the rocks. Well, yeah. I think Verge Technology, uh, there's a company called Verge that had that, that path optimization. Can you do logistics optimizations on a producer's farm? Or is that sort of beyond the scope of what you guys are doing? Well, there are more and more companies, too, that are bringing technology like that out. I actually saw... Trimble announced yesterday they have path planning and everything similar to what Verge had. Ravens got it through their autonomy side. These companies have it. They're more. There's more and more companies bringing it on, and it's going to be one of the big pushes in the future is to have that 
everything is right there and you can send anyone to the field because we all know it's hard, harder and harder to find qualified operators. So if you have guys that can be assisted by the technology side when they're in the field and getting to the field, the less some of the guys have to do and change every field, if it's already there, it's going to make it a lot easier. And that's probably one of the biggest things that's going to happen within the next couple of years is more and more farms are going to push to that style, especially the bigger they get, the more acres they cover. They're taking on new land that they don't know as well. And they're bringing on new employees that may not know the land as well either. Yeah, there's so many things to think about in a complex operation like food production. What do you see? I mean, you were there, like you say, when when auto auto steer was coming into its own. And I was there since since 2000. I saw it coming in between 2000 and 2013. Actually, you, you more or less came into the industry when I was leaving. But we saw auto steer coming on the spurs, the John Deere spurs in 2004, right? And that was a big one. Yeah. I mean, the first year you couldn't get people to use it. Then a year later, you couldn't take it away. Oh, yeah. Once you have that, you're hooked. Like once, once guys auto steer or anything breaks down, they are not happy and they do. Lots of guys forget even how to turn the wheel. Like <laughs> they forget how to steer. Or they pretend they, to. They don't, they, and they, <laughs> they honestly don't want to speed because nope. they don't want crooked rows. Nope. They don't want, they don't want to overlap. They don't want to waste money. Totally. But say for a seeder that's running sectional control in VR, if you lose GPS signal, you're done. You can't seed. It's a wild day. You are dead in the water. And that's where that support side comes in too. Like if you're done and you cannot do anything, that's where guys want that quick phone call to be able to get back in there and get back seeding and figure out what's wrong as quick as possible. Farmers must love you, man. I love it. <laughs> it just, it's magic when you can my, help. My them phone rings nonstop all, all year. So that's, there's yeah. a reason for that. I bet. I bet. I bet you're a popular guy. But what I'm wondering is, okay, we've had auto steer and we have all these other things like VR and water management you've talked about and yield mapping and maybe path optimization. But what is the next big thing that you're seeing in Precision Egg that maybe folks aren't seeing it quick enough? Or if I was a producer, you'd be like, Dan, get on this. It's going to make a difference in your life and your business. Autonomy is probably going to be one of the biggest pushes here in the next five years. It seems more and more companies are pushing to have an autonomous platform and whether it's having a completely different unit that drives itself or just taking an existing unit and being adding the functionality functionality to make it drive itself and operate by itself or operate it in tandem with yourself in the field with another unit. That seems to be a big, big push. Another one, spot spraying technology, mm -hmm. that seems to be taking off more and more especially in certain parts of the world where there's more chem follow and everything, especially with the prices of chemical where they're going, it seems more and more viable to guys. It's not cheap technology to get into. And there's also companies out there now that are doing plant health scanning live as well. So if you're doing fungicide and you want to make a VR map with your plant health, you can add a system to your sprayer and, create that map in real time essentially while the camera's looking at your crop which you're saving money right there and you're getting the best for what that crop needs and then the other big thing is drone technology i see that taking off more and more every year and more and more companies are trying to get into that whether it's just for scouting or if it's full drones doing spraying and everything which 
10 years from now that drones could be spraying every acre in Western Canada. You never know. <laughs> well, we have them on the farm. Precision AI is working on all that technology you're talking about. But why didn't the dot take over? I mean, at that one meg in motion, I, I, forget, I forget what year that was. I think maybe 2019 or something. It just, I mean, it was pretty exciting. But now they've gone to just using it as sort of a, of a test unit. It hasn't really made it to the market commercially. In your opinion, why did a platform like that, I don't know if it failed, to be fair, but it certainly didn't have the widespread adoption. It hasn't failed. Right. I think the biggest thing is guys are, to take that leap to trust a machine to be by itself and not be able to sit in the cab of it, that's a big leap for a lot of customers. It's not like going from auto steer where you can physically sit there and see what it's doing. You're letting it do its thing and you have to trust it that it's doing that. And there's lots of guys that are scared of that technology. If it came down to it, there would be more and more guys that would go to it if it broke out into the market and guys wanted just to have that. And that was their only option. There would be more and more of course, but just to get guys to start using it and to trust it is the biggest thing with any new technology. That's going to be one of the biggest hurdles is getting guys to trust it and make sure it's actually doing what they want it to do. But the biggest thing that they learned from Dodd as well was they can take that recording software and everything that it does and put that into existing machinery. And I feel like that's going to be their push now is to put it into units that you can still sit in, but you can either run it as a conventional unit or turn it into an autonomous unit, which to me is good because not everyone's going to want to just let it do its thing or there's some days where say the weather changes drastically and instead of remaking an entire plan for that unit you can jump in it and just drive around where you think that unit's going to get stuck and all that there's more companies too that are trying to build those platforms and none of them have really taken off and i feel like that's the biggest reason though is just people are scared of it really so that's the barriers is sort of the psychology around letting go of the vine with a, a weird looking robot versus continuing to automate aspects of your existing iron. Yeah. Like if you can get guys to automate their existing iron first and they see how well it works, that's the next step into being fully automated and going with the entire dot platform so that basically you do it step by step. If you just jump from level zero to level five, you're going to, have a lot more hiccups and you don't understand how it works properly. Whereas if you grow with it and you move up the autonomy scale to full, fully autonomous, if you go step by step and move it into first, let it say, say you're doing automatic headline turning, let stuff do that. Start, start with that. Then you move into having a machine that can drive itself, but you're physically sitting in the cab watching it. And then you can eventually move to that fully autonomous vehicle that's out in the field by itself you're going to trust it a lot more because you've seen the technology firsthand in the cab and seen it work and you know it's going to do what it needs to do. Part of the problem I saw is very hard to let go or give up your existing iron to make that leap to autonomy and how do you afford that unit without getting rid of it? What do you do with all the existing iron that's on the market right now if you completely displace it with something that's, that's very different? Who's doing the best job in precision agriculture right now? Other than you, I'm talking manufacturers. John Deere and CNH are both up there for the technology as far as manufacturers, just due to the fact that they're having a big push for it. CNH is buying more and more companies 
that are highly involved in precision ag and they've got a big push like with cnh buying raven they really want to push that side of it john deere is doing more and more stuff in-house and they they seem to always have like to do a lot of their stuff in-house and have it really proprietary but those two companies are way up there when it comes to that side of stuff as far as the aftermarket's completely trimble is getting into more and more stuff as well they're buying I think they recently bought Billberry, the spot spring company. So they're trying to get into that side of it. They're all building very highly capable displays and everything. It's just how much can they push through these displays and what can they make them do? There's no real bad option anymore for precision ag. It's there's lots of good products out there and there's lots of companies. It's just who's going to support it the best for you is <laughs> what it's almost coming down to half the time. Which is where you come in, my friend. There are always those guys that are just stuck with one brand or one color. And it's always going to be like that. But there are more and more guys that they see the potential or see the value of the support side of it more than anything. I think a big reason that folks aren't changing colors often is because they're married to that technology. And if you've been running a GS2 2600, for the last 10 years it's hard to go to another monitor yeah there's lots of guys that have and they're so used to it and all their data integrations through there they've taught all their farms or their employees how to run everything yeah even if they went with that same brand and it changed to a different interface there's lots of guys that are lost and it takes them a while to relearn it because you're not sitting in that machine for eight months of the year you're some guys are in it for a couple of weeks and then they're on to the next thing Whereas some of these guys that have different colors on their farm, if they can keep the technologies the same throughout the entire fleet, that helps as well. Because when you're jumping from unit to unit, you're not learning a new monitor every time you jump in something, which there's some guys that are fine with that, but there's lots of guys out there. They want to keep it the same. They want to keep it familiar. So they're not relearning it every time they go to do something, which I don't blame them for that either. That's, I wouldn't want to, have to relearn something every month <laughs> if I had to. Well, and it's hard enough to get four combines of the same color to produce a cohesive yield map from the same field, let alone four different colors. What point do you think you would have an agronomist on the payroll? Because as tech techronomists or technologists or whatever you're calling yourselves these days, if you're using fancy terminology like Olds College, how do you marry that up? Why wouldn't you hire a few agronomists to, to help make agronomy dreams come true through precision agriculture isn't that the point i've thought about it actually when i first made the business plan for the company that was one of the things that i wrote down was eventually hiring an agronomist nice as of right now though we're partnered with decisive farming so any agronomy stuff we like to work with them on right now we also work back and forth doing tech support for some of their stuff as well on the high end and I've, I've worked with them for nearly 10 years already. So I had a good relationship with them. So it made sense for me, but down the road, there are lots of independent agronomists out there. I just haven't made that step yet. And I don't know if that's the step that I'm going to take right off the start when I start expanding more. That's a fun part of having your own business, Matt. I mean... There's endless possibilities. It'll be exciting to see where you take this business because I see it has tr tremendous potential. Another thing I was thinking about for you is why wouldn't you help 
new companies that are stumbling around in the dark trying to get to market thinking they know what people want, you you would have insight to help companies implement new technology on a trial basis and give them valuable feedback, right? Yeah, so I'm, we are working with a few newer companies that are startups trying to get their product to market. And there's a lot of them out there and you got to pick and choose which <laughs> ones you want to work with. And yeah, you have to figure which ones fit best for your area. Yeah. And I get companies that phone me all the time trying to, whether it's looking at their software packages, whether it's looking at hardware they're trying to sell. And it's not even just startups. There's lots of fully developed companies that want just someone out there that can take care of their product and make it look as good as it possibly can. And they know that that's what they're going to get out of us is they're going to get someone who's going to fully support it. They just don't want someone to sell it. And here you go, you're on your own. That's one of the reasons too, that I refuse to have an online store for anything is I want to be able to talk to guys of what they're buying and give them the best recommendations. I just don't want them to be able to go on my website and click a button and buy this because it might not be the best fit for what they're trying to do. Nice. Which I can, I go out there and I'm the one who has to support it. So I want something that I know that's going to work for them and it's going to take less headaches for me because <laughs> it's something that yeah. doesn't integrate as well as it should with their operation. Yeah. And the less I have to go out there and babysit it, the better. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, even though that's kind of what keeps you in, in business, it'd be nice to be the Maytag man at times with stuff that you sell. If you're thinking about going into 2023 here with producers, what is the one thing that you'd most recommend that they take advantage of in terms of your services or Precision Ag? If they just did one thing, what would be the biggest thing you would help them focus on? One thing I would get guys to focus on is to get better accuracy GNSS signals go away from WAS, upgrade the signal at least to a basic upgrade, something that is just a little more accurate. You're going to get better performance out of every aspect of your machine on the technology side. Because if you're running sectional VR and auto steer, everything like that, it all drives off that receiver. So the best chance you can give that receiver to give you the best accuracy possible, that is one of the biggest upgrades that guys overlook. There's lots of guys that are into it with RTK with a RTX, SF2, SF3, GS. There's so many different options out there. Every company has their options for these higher accuracy signals. And there are more guys that take advantage of it every year, but there's also lots of guys that are still running basic accuracy on units they're paying a million dollars for. And they will just, they'll use a free signal. I'm, to me, I'm like, it's a no brainer that you should spend that extra money every year and get a lot better performance out of that because. Once you get that better performance, you can start seating between the rows. For example, you can share lines a lot easier between machinery because they're on the same path. They're not getting signal drift. Your sectional control, you can fine tune it even more because you're confident that your signal's not going to drift and you're going to have misses in your field. It just goes on and on and on from there. And you're going to get more and more efficient using a higher accuracy signal. And the price of it pays for itself in so many different ways. Interesting. I was not expecting that, to be honest. I thought it was, calibrate your combines, dudes. Dudes and dudettes. It's always very interesting to me when you start a company from scratch and you're from small town, Manitoba, very similar to my, my background. What, what are some of the guiding principles and core values that you learned on the farm from your parents and maybe your relatives and the culture 
that you're bringing to your business that you're living and you're dying by, Matt? Hard work is the number one thing that I learned growing up on a farm. You got to work. If you want to get anywhere, you got to put in the hours and you got to, you got to care. I care about the customer's operations. I, I want them to succeed. I want to be able to find solutions that best fit them. And I don't just show that I care. Like I truly do care about what they're doing. I care about agriculture as a whole. Like farmers are feeding the world where they're keeping everything going and all these small towns too. Lots of these small towns, that's the entire industry that keeps them going because there's some towns that's all they have is ag dealerships and those, the farming industry is what keeps the entire town moving, but hard work and perseverance. That's the biggest things I learned from growing up on a farm. I saw the hours that have been put in day and night, whether it's calving season or harvest season or seeding season. When farmers are going, that's when I really need to be going. And there's too many companies that try to run eight to five during the peak seasons. And to me, it, it shouldn't work like that. When, when farmers are in the field, these companies should be in the field with them basically, or ready to be in the field with them. Yeah. And it gives growing up in the farm, you know that because that's what you're used to. There's people that get into this industry and have never lived anywhere but a city and they wouldn't understand that. And having that understa- understanding of the of how the farms work and the work ethic that lots of customers put in, it, it goes a long way. Beauty. Hey man, if we're uh, you're coming on the podcast in three years from now and you're thinking forwards, what has to be true in order that you would say, hey Dan, this was a big ex- success. What has to be true in the next three years for you to really feel like you accomplished what you set out to with your with your company and your mission and your vision? So three years from now, I plan to cover a bigger area of Southeast Saskatchewan, Southwest Manitoba, and to continue to deliver the level of support that I feel is acceptable. I also want to bring on young students, whether they're coming out of Olds College or something like that, bring them on and get them into this industry and get them trained and show them what it's like in field. Like you can go to university all you want. It's still not the same as what actually happens in a day to day in the real world and giving them <laughs> the opportunity to learn from someone who's going to guide them that way. It's going to go a long way. And I feel the earlier in life you learn this stuff and the earlier in life you learn any of the stuff in precision ag, the easier it is to stick. It's easier to learn it while you're young. And that's one of the big things I want to bring young, younger people on board the next few years and get them started in the industry and let them be part of our team. And whether it's just starting them off, helping them with us do installs and stuff like that, and then move into becoming an infield consultant. Eventually, once you get enough experience, that's the end goal is to have enough of those guys, say every 45 minutes to an hour away, so that even if they're needed in the field, they don't have to be, guys don't have to wait as long in the field down waiting for service. Because right now, honestly, I get calls from all over Canada for customers needing help. And I've seen there's a big need all over Western Canada, especially for this kind of service. I get guys that ask me all the time, when are you expanding to Alberta? When are you expanding to Northern Saskatchewan? And 
maybe in three years from now I'll have guys in those areas, but that's not my main focus currently. Well, I love that your vision is to bring young people into the industry. I think that not everyone is aware of what opportunities there are in agriculture and the technology side that really you don't have to have a traditional farming background. You could be very nerdy by nature and still provide incredible services to, to producers. And I think what you're doing is incredible value. I seen it when I was in the dealership network, you know, when somebody calls you and you can solve their issues within 30 seconds and they're sitting at the edge of the field you are just become an invaluable person in the food chain to, to a producer who's doing a very important job and has a lot of money on the line. So I thought it was really fascinating what you're building. I think your company has a lot of room to run. I love your work ethic and, and all the things you want to bake into the cake with, with customer service. And I can only imagine the demand for your services is basically unlimited as far as that goes. So I think you're going to build a beautiful company going forward. And I can't wait to see where it goes three 10, 20, maybe 50 years from now, if you can scale this thing. So in wrapping up here, Matt, how should folks get a hold of you? So the best ways to get a hold of me personally, either call myself on my cell phone, 306-434-6909, or if you go on our website, www.myprecisionag.ca, all the contact info is on there. And my personal email is matt at myprecisionag.ca. I'm also on social media, Facebook and Twitter under the handle myprecisionag. I'm very active on there and I like to talk to different people all over the world on there. It's, it's a great platform to be on and it's honestly one of the best marketing tools out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, congrats on setting out on your own and providing that service to producers. I'm sure it's going to grow in the future. And thanks a lot for taking the time to chat with us today. And I'm sure producers will enjoy this conversation. Hopefully some folks will reach out to you to get your services. So thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's been great. You bet, Matt. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. We really appreciate that you'd spend some of your valuable time with us. We would like to give a shout out to Stephen and Veronica and the whole team at Pod Sound School for their talent and hard work in editing and producing these episodes. Be sure to check them out at www.podsoundschool.com. Also, Nicole Duby from Eberhard Egg Solutions. Thank you so much. Nicole's really passionate about making these episodes come to life and sharing them with you. Please, let's stay in touch. You can communicate with us on any of the social media platforms. You can also check us out on YouTube. And sign up for our newsletter, growingthefuturepodcast.ca, so you don't miss an episode. Do not forget to check out the Aberhart family of companies online to aberhartfarms.com, suregrowth.ca, convergencegrowth.com, and aberhartagsolutions.ca. Links are in the episode notes. We would love to hear from you. Reach out and tell us what you like about the show or what we could do to improve upon this. And we will send you some free swag. Until next episode, folks, let's keep it real. Growing the future together. Oh.